So just who is pulling the strings behind Colorado's current political scene? I put that question to the one and only Patty Calhoun of Westward. Her answer is going to surprise you. I'm John Caldera, and this is the audio version of our television show, Devil's Advocate. You can watch that program by going to youtube.com and looking at our channel, IITV, that stands for Independence Institute TV, or just go to thinkfreedom.org. If you like this conversation, I hope you share it. You know her, you love her, you've seen her in other shows, so we're just stealing her glamour. Patty Calhoun from Westward, thank you. My pleasure. All right, wanted to bring you here year end, beginning of the new year. Who's pulling the strings in Colorado politics? It was an open-ended question, and after a few beers, we'll find, find the answer. Is anyone pulling strings in Colorado politics? That's such a good question, because it seems to me right now we have a big, tangled ball of crap. I mean, you cannot find the strings, or you see the strings, but you can't find the end of them. Like, let's talk about the Colorado Republican Party. Uh, I was thinking about Phil Anschutz, who still has money, has power, has a newspaper. So arguably, newspaper editor editors and publishers have power and can pull strings. But look at the Colorado Republican Party. Who, who can actually untangle that to figure out how to get a candidate who might win? And you're thinking Phil Anschutz could do that? No, I'm thinking in the old days, someone like Phil Anschutz could. But think about Bill it, it, Armstrong it, when he owned radio stations. Well, also, you think back at a time when Bruce Benson was the constant chair of the Republican Party. He, uh, uh, Benson Minerals, he was a wealthy man. He could raise money, and he could get people to work together. He was, he was that guy. Uh, it wasn't that the, the party people took over the party. It was, you, you had adults at the helm. Right. You had people who could fund candidates. You had a process by which a reasonably funded candidate who had good positions could make it onto the ballot. Now what you have is maybe no way for someone who's reasonable. You also have guys like Bill Armstrong who earned the respect. Even if he didn't put lots of money in, he was seen as the godfather of Republican politics in that he could bring sides together and go, John, this isn't your year to run in this primary. But uh, I'm going to support you in two years when you run for this. And kept all that stuff kind of behind closed doors just by the sheer magnetism of the man. And the fact that they could raise money for right. you to, with your run two years from and now. And also they could win back then. Republicans can't win now. I still think a reasonable Republican could win, assuming they could get on the ballot, could get beyond the primary. And I think that's one of the Isn't issues. Isn't that what we had Two years ago, though, we've had the most... Tell me who was reasonable two years ago. We had the most reasonable folks on the ballot uh, than, than we've ever had. We, we had Pam Anderson running for uh, uh, treasurer, or, or excuse me, Secretary, Secretary of State, State. Uh, our treasurer candidate. Uh, even, even, you know, Heidi was a reasonable person compared to the people she was running well, against in, in, her, in, her, in her primary. We had a sane group of people. We had Joe O'Day... Uh, running for United States Senate. So these were these were not hardcore, off-the-table, Dave Williams Republicans. No, but I would say they also perhaps moved more to the right than they would have normally because of the Dave Williams Republicans. I just think with 46% unaffiliated, people in Colorado would be willing to vote for either party, depending on the candidate. 
maybe the Democrats have an edge, but you've got 46% unaffiliated. The right Republican could win. In the right areas, statewide, I don't know. Let's assume Trump gets on the ballot uh, again next year. If he is the presidential candidate, Republicans are going to take it on the chin in 2024. There's just no other way around it. And between Trump and abortion, which scares people to death, even though it's the most liberal abortion state in the country, it's Colorado, it brings out, it brings out Trump haters and Republicans aren't going to gain in 24 if Trump's on the ballot. Well, I agree. That's probably true. Not in Colorado, they're not. That's what I mean, Colorado. Right. So that's true. If Trump's on the ballot here, it's going to be really tough. Um, if it's not going to happen, but if Lily, if uh, Haley was on the ballot, I think she could attract some Colorado voters. She wouldn't win. Not in Colorado. Not in Colorado. No, but I think she could still maybe do better than Trump in Colorado. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. All but right. anyway, it's a big, messy ball of string, and I don't know who's pulling at the end. But all the pressure on Republicans is meaningless because Republicans are a super minority here. So if the Republican Party is dysfunctional in Colorado, who the hell cares? Even if they were functional in the minority, they're still the minority, and it's a super minority. Progressives own everything. And what I'm starting to see is that the press can't ignore it anymore. The left is starting to eat their own. When, when you've got Elizabeth Epps up in the gallery uh, shouting down uh, her colleagues, they can't keep it together. And I think people are starting to see, yeah, no one's pulling the strings. Exactly. That's the unraveling, because the Democratic Party is in its own way just as screwed up as the Republican Party. You have this group that is out of control from where mainstream Democrats want to go and would have the opportunity to go now, but they may not be able to just because the party's so divided. All right, so if we have the so question, no one's, who's, yeah. who's pulling the strings, maybe we need to go in the opposite direction. I guarantee you, Jared Polis is not pulling the strings. He cannot keep his caucus together. He can't keep the Democrats together. He can't pass the things that he wants, including last session was a housing uh, bill. He couldn't pass HH, which he wrote and brought in on a white horse in three days at the end of the session. He's not pulling, he's not pulling the strings. I think the Democratic Socialists of America seem to be the ones pulling the strings in the legislature. That legislature is hard left now. It's not going to stay that way. It cannot stay that way. But if they were pulling it in the state, there yeah. were progressives, HH would have passed. Maybe. And they're not, not really, because you had you had the cities were against it, the counties were against it, the special districts were against it. I mean, so all the people who naturally make up the leftist coalition, they were split on HH as well. It was doomed from the start. Well, I have to say, if people are pulling the strings, they're pulling them in all different directions. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Uh, let's see, people with money, I mean, b back in the old days when Tim Gill and Rut Bridges and Al Yates okay. and that whole and Stryker, group right. came up with their plans, they really did create a juggernaut of power and a plan, but they didn't kind of foresee what was going to happen. Let me, let me ask you about that. Because they built this political machine. They did so by, if you read the book, The Blueprint, they looked at Independence Institute and say, we do that, but add a couple zeros to the budget. Over, the, over a couple of years, we will build the infrastructure for which we'll, we'll win everything. 
Well, that came to be. And now they're winning everything. The policy came after all that. But they can't stop this chain reaction of more and more hardcore progressives. More Tim Hernandez, more Elizabeth Epps, more declared socialists. I mean, I would call people socialists as an epithet. No, they're actually socialists. I don't think, I think they started something, and when they tested the first A-bomb, they're like, you know, this could destroy the planet. We don't think so. But you know, this thing is just getting out of control. And I'm just that far on Oppenheimer. So oh, really? Okay. Yeah. They just have, uh, Trinity, they just exploded it. So I'll have to get back to that. By the way, uh, spoiler for that book, the A-bomb when it went off did not destroy the entire Earth. Yet. We're still seeing yeah. the ramifications. Right. Well, and we're seeing it right now with pulling strings because people are pulling in different directions. I think 2024 is going to be a wild year for Colorado. You have some people, the environmentalists going one way, but they're still fighting other people in the group. Oil and gas fighting. You have, well, the school board. That might be the only thing that makes a little more sense in 2024. School board. The Denver getting- Public Schools Board. Denver but it couldn't get any board. more dysfunctional. Well, that's could the it? other thing, and it couldn't. Be, you know, it's not going to be as much fun for journalists. That's for sure. Do you sense that there's the journalists have been a little hesitant to really call the Democratic majority and the governor on the dysfunction that's going on inside their own movement? No, I think if you read the stories, it's clear. I mean, HH went down. Now, well, that's t- how, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the dysfunction. Media loves Republican dysfunction in this town because it's so silly and it's so over overbroad, but it also has the, the, the Trump craziness on it. And so it's just a beautiful thing for reporters and people to comment on. But it's getting so much worse on the left side for the people who actually have power. But I don't see the level of reporting on it. And it's getting to the point where they have to. You can't well, ignore it. Certainly anymore. Elizabeth Epps' outburst was right. covered plenty. Tim Hernandez has been covered. It's gonna, they're going to have to figure out how to do an analysis of it. Elizabeth Epps, before she went on her, um, her rant, did something that nobody caught except Ben Murray here at Independence and put it out on a little video, where she admitted that what they were doing in the special session was just rebuilding HH. And she said, you know, my colleague said we're just doing HH again uh, without voter approval. She said, quote, and I can't disagree with that. She admitted that, but that didn't make the news. Her outburst made the news, because that's funnier and sexier and all the rest. But you've got legislators admitting, we are going against the will of the people. I would think that would be the front page news, but it's not. Well, you need people to say it so you can report it. She said it. Well, I didn't hear, where did she say it? At at the well. I'll send you the video. Thank you. It's right there on IITV channel on YouTube. So, uh, No, but I, we will see the ramifications of HH and the property taxes as they come out yeah. and the mill levy, and it, people are going to be upset. So they might be tying people up with that string. <laughs> so we just got word before we recorded this that Time's Man of the Year, because I say that because it's old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. I remember when it's Man of the Year. Taylor Swift. I might not be able to argue with that. If Colorado were to have a man of the year, a woman of the year, what do you think? Well, I'm sorry to say Sports Illustrated probably already did it. If you've got someone who grabbed the same level of attention in a smaller state, 
Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, was the big national story out of Colorado. It's a crazy story. It's a crazy, it reminds me so much of Tim Tebow, that you know, Tim was winning all these incredible games, became a national thing, and then eh, they, they won four games. Right. How, it, how could he be man of the year with four games? Well, when you look at the amount of attention he's gotten in Colorado and the irony of him, you know, now it's the black football team, the great hope of black athletes is in Boulder, which what percentage um, is black in Boulder residents? I think it's, it's, we have ordinances against it. Yeah, that's, probably. Why, that's why. And Republicans, that, more yeah. Republicans than libertarians in Boulder than blacks. I don't know, but, but there's a reason why Prime has to live in Longmont. We got laws. Well, it's amazing that Sports Illustrated picked him because that was a strange one for a, with a record that he has. The amount of attention we got here in Colorado was crazy. Tell me about his television show. I knew nothing about this. So he and, you know, his son is involved, too, with some of his media work. I like it that he employs his family. That's another story that in the past people would have been spanked for nepotism, mm -hmm. but not him. Uh, but he got his Coach Prime Amazon show, a docuseries, which is in year two. It debuts in December this month. Um, in fact, it debuts the day we're filming this at CU. They're having a big, big party to celebrate Coach Prime's Sports Illustrated win and this new series. It got $500,000 in subsidies from the State Economic Development Fund. What the hell? So the guy who has more endorsements than any college uh, coach, we just gave him a half a million dollars of taxpayer money. Well, more to the point, we gave the company producing the docuseries the money because they are bringing some jobs in, but it's not like they need the money from Colorado. They just got it. When there are plenty of other little filmmakers who would dearly love to get any attention from Colorado. Yeah. That it's just maddening. happened. It's maddening. Uh, this is, this, it's well, just Well, if maddening. not him, who would you pick? I might pick... Um, our mayor, Michael Johnson. Well, that's true. This is because of his such sweet naivete that he's, the word that just keeps coming to me is adorable. The guy is adorbs. And that he really thinks he's going to put the homeless into, into, into these little tough sheds and solve a problem. And he doesn't realize he's making it, making it worse. So he gets his honeymoon period. He, like the governor knows better. But like the governor, he will not take on the crazy leftists of his party. And at some point, he's going to have to choose between getting tougher on crime, doing something to make our streets safer, or, or not, and, and keep, keep happy with the hardcore left who's very anti-police. I don't know how he does it. But well, this year... He's right. focusing on the homeless right now, homelessness, and that's what he campaigned on. He didn't campaign on crime. He didn't campaign on reforming Homelessness police. and crime, in my mind, are the exact same thing. Oh, that, what I, would, I would argue that is not the same thing. Well, I'm talking about the transient, crazy people who are committing crimes, trespassing and breaking, and, and make, it, make, make it so the city is so ugly, crime just naturally follows. Yes. I'm not talking about people who are honestly homeless. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the street folks that we just keep getting more of.
question is, why don't they have them in Colorado Springs in nearly the same amount? And the difference is because they enforce the law. They have a camping ban and they bring them in and they're given a choice. You either go <laughs> to the shelter, or you go to jail. Which one would you like? Well, you also in Colorado Springs do not have buses of migrants coming in and taking some of the beds in the shelters that would normally go to the people experiencing homelessness. So there's no question. If you're talking about that ball of twine, Denver is tied up in this issue. And Brockler had asked me, you know, what kind of grade I would give Johnston on his house, 1,000. It's too early. He's got an incomplete because he's got a deadline of December 30th to house those 1,000 people. He's not going to hit it. But it's going to be how he explains how he didn't hit it, where if he can prove successes so far, it's going to be really fascinating. I can tell you this. Right now, his office is mostly concerned with journalists who use the word sweep in a way they think is inappropriate, because I've gotten two calls about that. Why is it inappropriate to use the word sweep? It is not a sweep if they are going into housing, according to the mayor's office. (laughs) It's a sweep if they're just being swept to the next block. That's oh. not, you know those those kinds of semantics are not the big issue in this city. No, nobody the big cares issue is, about. Do we have a system for improving it? So our mayor is going to not reach his goal. To no one's surprise, but what I think he will do is fiddle with the definitions. So what is housed? Is it taking somebody off the street for two weeks, two hours? and putting them in a, into a hotel room or into a tough shed, and then saying, see, but if a third of them leave, if a half of them leave within a, uh, uh, within a month, that doesn't solve anything. And that's the number that people are gonna get tired. In a few years when the homelessness problem doesn't get solved, what happens? Uh, I'm we- going on the assumption that this plan is not going to work. Well, frankly, I would hope it does because we want to see something work. And it's not just Denver that has... I hope that Hamas stops killing Jews. True. It's not going to happen. But I hope whoever is doing the best job on this in the country, and you look at certain projects, Houston's done some things that work. Salt Lake City's done some things that work. Every city has the problem to some extent. Some are doing better with it than others. I mean, Colorado Springs has one approach. Aurora is doing a bifurcated approach. You hope that people learn what will work and they take advantage of it because we can't have it get worse. And maybe it will. You can't make it work until you start arresting people and keeping them in jail for their crimes. My idea, we'll find out. How about this for man, woman, group of the year? It's the Democratic Socialists of America who have six, and now maybe only five, because one decided to drop out, legislators who are pulling the legislature hardcore left. That seems to be the story. In my mind, if you want a story of the year, that's the story of the year. Uh, 2023 or 2024, do you think? 2023, but 2024, it could be their undoing, because they are so out of step with Colorado. Yes, Colorado is, is... pro-choice, pro-environment, pro-LGB, you know, uh, pro-weed, but they're not pro-socialism. There's a big difference. I think they're completely out of step and have pulled the state so far. It's a rubber band that when it, when it pops, it's going to be pretty bad. Well, and we see with the, uh, with the Denver Public Schools Board, for example, the 
the people who are elected are smart, interesting people. I don't think you can label them. But the fact is, Denver was tired of the antics. And that could happen again. I wouldn't equate everyone who's on the school board with the Democratic Socialists because they're their own unique world of crazy in 2023. But you see the voters were fed up. And that could happen again. You think uh, Tay makes it to the legislature? I'm going to do an early prediction, which is no. Really? Yes. Why wouldn't Tay Anderson, one of the greatest of the cray-crays on the school board, why wouldn't he make it into the legislature? I would argue it's the same reason that his companions on the legislature did not, I mean, in the DPS, did not make it back. People have had enough? People have had enough of some things. I could be wrong. The antics are so fun. Well, yeah, for journalists, we're arguing against our own best interests. You know, if Are you the been, crazier, the better for coverage. But that Westward isn't a greater good. Westward has been covering good. politics in Denver and Colorado, what, since the mid-80s? Since the late 70s. Since the late 70s, wow. Have you ever seen a more polarized political system in Colorado? More where I don't talk to your side. You don't talk to my side. There's just, there's very little overlap. I mean, I saw it this year in things like HH where there wasn't a stakeholder process. There was a fakeholder process. There was no reaching out for any sort of bipartisanship. It was, we got the numbers to hell with you. I've just never seen it at this level. I would have to agree that it's definitely bad. Um, I would have to go back and see if it's ever been worse. But you think when you have... Um, legislators like Ruby Dixon, is that the last, is that the correct name? Yes. After one year is getting out because, and by all accounts, it is not to spend more time with the family or all the other excuses people give. It is because it is so toxic. She said she'd had At the legislature, she's had enough after a year. And this is a person who was a really good person to have in the legislature. She knows finance. She understands it. She's worked in politics. She's a very young person, too. She's young. She should be the future. And you would like people who have a long time ahead of them to help pull us, pull the strings. But instead, she's taking that ball of string and going home. It's that toxic. And it's that toxic inside. So I've I've got several political axioms. Caldera's first political axiom is there's nothing Republicans can't F up. Uh, the second one is the closer two people or groups are on the political spectrum, the more dysfunctional their relationship. Because they're arguing over donors and credit and strategy and all the rest. Um, but I've never seen it like that now. You mentioned the Republican Party and just how people are leaving the party in droves. Uh, the party can't raise money. It's, it's, it, they're at war. The Democrats are at war. They just happen to be in power in that war. I've just never seen Colorado so politically fractured. I've, I've seen Colorado in, in a worse way. So think about 92 when, or let's say more befuddled, when we had, we were labeled the hate state mm-hmm. because of Amendment 2. Then we also had the shock of the Tabor, of Tabor passing. Which, the glory of Tabor passing. Well, I said the shock. Which is okay. I'm trying to be fair. How shocked people were. I was sitting in a room of politicos that, you know, watching a television this big in um, 92, <laughs> and people were just shocked that that was the return in Colorado. No one had anticipated it. And I think that's partly because in Colorado, sometimes 
you make assumptions without really looking at reality, which would be HH. Who thought HH really had a chance of passing? If you looked at the it people realistically, people who spent money on either side thought it had a, a chance well, because true. they could make a lot of money off the consultants. That's you know, consultants win in Colorado. Well, that is a good point. People. So, are the consultants pulling the strings? That's a good question. Are the consultants pulling the strings? And if I so, think so, it's time for us to cut the cord. But how do you cut the cord when industry keeps going to the same consultants, when rich guys keep going to the consultants, and consultants win or lose as long as there's activity? And, and that's what we have. So after every year, uh, consultants get to buy another house, uh, but we hate each other more. Well, that is a very depressing start to 2024, but it does but seem I, like... Tell me yeah, I'm wrong. Well, the interesting thing about HH is if no one had put in campaigns, if, if none of that money, and there was a lot of money spent, would the outcome have been different? I think ultimately no, because people looked at that 13, 18 pages in the, when they were doing their ballot, when they looked at the blue book, and they're like, this makes no sense. I'm not doing it. When... When Kyle Clark of Nine News, by no means a Republican stooge, looked at this and said, Governor, we're not dumb. This is, this is not tax relief. You're just taking money from one pocket and putting it. We're not dumb. It, it signaled, you know, this thing, this thing is dead. Right, What's but a, you didn't need a $2 million campaign to figure that out. Your words, not mine. Okay. But yes, people get rich off of this stuff, and that's the money that could be used for other things. Building better benches, getting better candidates, figuring out how to, how to go on offense instead of defense. It's, it's maddening to me uh, that, uh, uh, that we never seem to learn. No. Now All right, I'm, consultants pull. Pull the strings. I'm afraid so at the moment. All right, let's go Now forward. we'll have to identify them. Oh, we can identify them. Let's not name names. That would, be, right. that would be impolite. Okay. That would be impolite. We'll just chase them in the new year. They'll still make more money. They always make money. It is amazing. This, there is not a real competitive world of, of political vendors in Denver, in Colorado. You go to other states, and there are lots of professionals. Not so much here. And it's interesting, as, um, as the Republican world shrinks. A lot of good people who are trying to move over from politics into real work, respectable jobs, can't get them because they've got the stench of working for Republican campaigns in the past. So it, it's harder to get people inside politics. I don't know if the same problem is on the left. I don't think so. Well, it's a bigger field, so it's a little <laughs> easier. You've got a few more corners you can go to. Go ahead. Who's going to be pulling the strings in 2024? I say still not the governor, unless, of course, uh, Biden drops out of the race, which I think is very, very likely. I think Jared is going to take a hard look at running. Is he? I think he'll take a hard look at it. I don't think he's going to run in 2024, but it'd be an amazing race if he did. It would be. Uh, I would just think he would think it isn't his year and he'd want to finish up at the governor's office. But I could be wrong on that. Look at it. We had Hickenlooper and Bennett last right. round. 
sometime one of these Coloradans are gonna are gonna gonna stick. All right. Well, I just have you followed the people, the pundits who are saying Nikki Haley can follow the Gary Hart path. Just, <laughs> I mean, I just was hearing that. Like that's the way she can get there. Do they not remember? Not how, the monkey business path. Yeah. Do not remember how it how it. Yeah. I think she could. Trump is going to be the nominee. I see very little chance of Nikki pulling it off. I wish she would. I don't see it. Do you? I wish she would, but I don't see it. Why don't you see it? She's qualified. She's smart. To have a female Republican candidate, she would kick the crap out of Biden. Oh, she would be a a really good Republican candidate. I just don't see Trump getting out any way, shape, or form. Why do you see that Trump still has the power? Why is he going to get the nomination? I wish I could possibly explain it. And that is one of the, when you talk about the political divide, Mm -hmm. whether or not you like Biden, does that mean you have to like Trump? I mean, that's that he has this percentage of people who are willing to put up with his antics, no matter what. And it's a sizable percentage. I My take is this. The reason Trump is still a player is because people are tired of elites. They are just sick of it. They're sick of, of, of the Jared Polis types who come in with three days left in the session and say, here's the answer. Or the, anybody in authority, they just don't trust. They're tired of the media. They're tired of the pundits. They're tired of the politicians. They want somebody who's going to go and throw over tables. Who's going to do that better than, than Trump? Well, he'll throw over tables, but he's an elite. No, he's oh, not. He's oh, one no. of us. Oh. You know, he, he had a <laughs> well, good, depending good. on what us you are, <laughs> I would say, if he's one of you, I'm surprised. But he, yeah, he's his own elite. But how he's captured the imagination of a certain percentage of the American public it is, is just beyond belief. But it's also genius. When he got uh, brought in and the mugshot, right. you realize the left was waiting for the mugshot. Oh, I can't wait. We're going to get him in a mugshot. It's just that delicious thing. He turned the tables on it. I could imagine him that morning spending a half an hour in the mirror practicing the scowl. And I can imagine the guys in the in the camera, uh, sir, could you lift up your, t- sir, please, you need to lift up. And him just standing there like a statue until he took the damn picture so he could make baseball cards out of it. I mean, it's evil genius. Oh, he's a marketing genius. Yeah. There is no question his instincts for marketing himself are beyond the pale. I mean, he is a genius at it. And then you have the two sides. You have the sycophants for whom he can do no wrong. He is a messiah. Even though he contradicts himself, you know, he's right both times. You know, he's, it's just amazing. And then you've got the deranged who you say the word Trump and they can't sit still. They just lose it. Democracy is being stolen. You know, there's, there's a whole lot of move, room in the middle, but both of these edges are just nutbag. And then you wonder, is what's in between big enough and will there be an option enough for them to make it? something sensible in the White House. How does Biden get out? How, how does he push out? How does he drop out? When does it happen? I'm convinced it's a win, not an if. Uh, he says, well, first of all, he'd have to find an heir apparent, which we don't see. That's one of the issues. And maybe someone... He doesn't someone, need that. You don't think so? No, I think he just says, and I think the heir apparents come in. They Newsom come in. Comes in. They jump in just like everyone else Gretchen, did last year. Uh, yeah. uh, from... Uh, 
Uh, Michigan comes in, Whitmore comes in. I think they just, the vacuum gets filled. They're all running anyway. Well, he can certainly just say, I'm tired. I can't do it. It's time for someone else to do it. I don't see him saying that. I think behind the scenes, there's going to be a visit saying, you know, your son is in big trouble. And it's going to be an embarrassment for your family. Your brother is in big trouble. There's going to be indictments while you run. Uh, it's going to be bad for your family. Of course, if you step down, likely those indictments and things will just melt away because it's really all about you. So who is pulling those strings? I think that's going to be the DNC. I think that's going to be the people who, uh, the same people who got him to run in the first, first place. place. Uh, because we couldn't have Bernie Sanders. We couldn't have these folks. So Interesting. So, he admitted that today, or, or just this week. By so? That he was saying he wouldn't be running if it weren't for Trump. It was a surprise interview that he gave. Do you notice that even when he gets off of um, Air Force One now, he takes a lower exit? There is no time for him to... I want to see him walk on his own, because I don't think he can. I, I think... I think the guy is older than we think. Whereas Trump, the older he gets, the younger he gets. It's, it's some sort of weird thing. Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray. We don't want to see what that picture really looks like. <laughs> What's going to be the big story next year, locally? Well, I think uh, homelessness still. What happens once that project does or doesn't work? And I know where you think it's going to go. What do you think? Is it um, going to work? Are they going to... We all agree he's not going to get a thousand. I think it's going to be mixed. So I think we're going to keep going along in the next iteration. I think what happens to downtown is going to be a huge story. Say more about that. What do you think? You know, I've got an interest in this. Well, you've, okay. What is we, your interest? The Independence Institute owns oh, a beautiful true. building right in the well, heart I'm, of what was being gentrified. Incredible downtown now is a place where your hubcaps are gone. Well, interestingly, parts of downtown, like around Union Station, uh, Lodo to Rhino, I mean, there it is lively, and I don't think it is one bit more dangerous at night in those areas than it was when there were shootings that let out 20 years ago. We've covered the nightlife scene, and it hasn't changed in danger, as far as I can tell, one whit over 20 years. Let out has always been trouble. People have always preyed on drunks coming out of bars. So there are parts, and there are parts of downtown that are wonderful. The restaurants are great. The theater is great. You go from Larimer Square, which is under renovation, so let's hope that gets done in 2024, and go to the DCPA. It's great. The, so there are parts of downtown that are fabulous, but there are parts that are not. And we'll have to see, can they bring back people to work in the office buildings, which is one of the problems. It's hard to have retail a little lunch spots if there's no one there to eat lunch. And that's an issue that isn't because of homelessness. That's because our habits changed during the pandemic. Work habits changed. There's more to that, though. Regulations have changed and taxes have changed. When our libertarian governor allowed cities to raise the minimum wage, starting beginning of the year, Denver's going to be at $18.29, meaning those little lunch spots will not be able to afford those people. It'll be the first time that the Family Leave Act starts paying out uh, benefits. So people are not going to be at work as much. And that price... Of course, that, that's, anywhere in, that's anywhere in Colorado. Anywhere in Colorado. And in Denver itself with the minimum yeah. wage. So I think particularly small service companies 
are going to be hit the most. Uh, food prices are more expensive and go up higher in Colorado than pretty much anywhere else in the country for lots of reasons, including our attacks on roadways and, and uh, gasoline. Denver is in a really vulnerable spot. The one guy I would not want to be is Michael Johnson because it's going to take more than just cleaning up the homeless to make Right, there Denver, are more challenges. make Denver vibrant again. There are regulatory problems and costs that who would open up a business in, in Denver and have to deal with all this when you can do it someplace else and not have to deal with it? Well, and you still have, and if you're specifically in downtown, you still have the mall, which is taking forever to finish. That's going to make a big difference, but it's not going to be in the next year. Now they're saying 2025. So if that's people a feel safe on it, and you can say, you know, it's not as bad, but no, people feel they don't want to come to downtown. It's ugly. There are ugly people. There's crime. There's a mess. There's litter. It's not what Denver was just a few years ago. And that's, this, this city council is not going to take it on. I don't think it gets better until it gets a lot more worse. A lot more worse. That's oh, I would disagree with you on that really? and your language. but My grammar. Your grammar. I think downtown will get better because I think people are fed up who work downtown and they're smart about it, a lot of them, and they're going to start fighting back and pushing and forcing city council and forcing the mayor's office to do more. But if they do more of the same, they're only going to get more of the same. No, I think we might try some new things. I'm looking forward. All right, let, let finish it up on this. Looking forward in media, this, this is your sweet spot. You carved out a niche in reporting that thrived, is still thriving, in a world of collapsing newspapers, dumb TV reporting, uh, consolidation on radio and, and, uh, and newspapers. Look ahead a year. Do, do we have thriving local media? What, the, does, the post, does the post disappear at some point? At some point, the post will disappear. It will not be in the next year because they are still making money. The Alden Global, the hedge fund, is making money just by winging it out of the post. It's not going to disappear yet. Do um, you think it will in years to come? It could. It's also going to depend on what happens, say, with the Gazette how many people are um, fighting to, for the little, smaller and smaller pieces of the pie because what you get instead is all these other uh, online outlets. Like the Denver public. Gazette? Yeah, like the Which Denver Gazette. Which doesn't have to pay for printing. Right, it doesn't. So, but neither do any other online. Right. So you've got Axios and you've got many other CityCast. You've got all these other, you've got television, you've got your show, you've got, uh, that don't have to pay for newsprint, but it's still there's still plenty of costs going in, and somebody's got to pay for media. Our somehow. alcohol budget on this show alone skyrocketed. Well, especially when I'm on. Yes. Uh, so sweet spot. There is nothing sweet about the media right now. I mean, the irony of the city buying the building that was built for the JOA, the Denver Post building, because at the time they were the ascended paper. That now we are going to have the city. Occupying the building that used to be occupied by the watchdogs of the city, that's a sad time for the media. It's very that's telling. It's a perfect symbolism, isn't it? It's really depressing. I just read a new book that's out on the Post and the News War, and it's not the most scintillating book, but when you think about how many opportunities were blown to keep two daily papers, 
or maybe to have the news be the surviving paper. How they both went wound up going out of state. It's tough because people still care about commenters, reports coming from people who know the community and care about the community. They might have different opinions, but they still care. I mean, one of the reasons I think Westwards continues to work is because we connect people to the community. Whether they agree with us or not, they know we're out there. And also, how to put this, Westward is the opposite of an elitist media outlet. It is, uh, it's a media you don't want to get caught reading. Oh, yeah. I'm honored. Thank you. You're welcome. So let's end on something positive. There's got to be something good that's going to happen in 24, Colorado-wise. Call it so you can say you were right. Well, I know I will be right because this has been true forever in Colorado. People, whether they're from here or they come here, there are many good-hearted, smart, creative people who come to start things. Whether it's a newspaper or a band or a gallery or make a movie that is not not Coach Prime, the creative class, to use uh, Richard Florida's term, the creative class is really strong here. People are independent. They like to try to make a better world by creating things. And I think that will be true in 2024 in Colorado. It's a great place for creating. We might be doing it in the middle of a miasma. It used to be a great place for creating. It's getting to be a harder and harder place to create because it's more expensive. There are more regulations. There are more environmental codes. This is not the place that it was two decades ago, even a decade ago, where I agree, creative people come here to unleash their talents and to risk. The word risk is is a... Is it's a, harder to risk. There yeah. is no question. But the people who come here still have that motivation. Every day I open up my email and I said, this is a great thing going on. This is a cool thing going on. Let's hope it makes it. But that spirit is still alive in Colorado. And that's one of the reasons we love reporting on it. It's much more fun to report about the great new ideas than the old string pullers. I think I think there's a my story, there's gonna be fight to see who's the real string pullers in Colorado on all sides. Well, let's make a pact that we will expose them. I love it. Patty, thank you so much. My pleasure. If you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. And I hope you'll subscribe and follow the show. We have new ones released weekly. Remember, this audio was taken from our TV show. To watch it, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.